prayers that when all the shaking is over, you will stand. And I pray for you that you will stand in Jesus' name. We are continuing with our studies on encounters with the Most High. And today we are, uh, we are on part 7 of the series, Encounter with the Most High, part 7. And we are still looking at that subtopic that says the Most High is a God of everlasting kingdoms and dominion. The Most High is a God of everlasting kingdoms and dominion. In Daniel chapter 4 verse 3, Daniel chapter 4 verse 3, a passage we read at the earlier stage of these stories. He says, how great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion from generation to generation. Our God is the God of eternal dominion. And to go further on this topic today, we want to look at the, a parable that Jesus gave in the book of Luke chapter 19. From verse 12 to verse 27. Luke chapter 19 from verse 12 to verse 27. Uh, Luke 19 verses 12 to 27. I read. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Verse 13. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him. And sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, that was 15, having received the kingdom, then he commanded the servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound had gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound had gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. Verse 20. Another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a, in a napkin. For I fear thee, because thou art an austere man, thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou did not sow. Verse 22. And he said unto him, Out of thy own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knew that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. It continues uh, down to... Uh, okay. Wherefore then givest not thou my money unto the unto bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury, that is with interest. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, give it to him that had ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he had ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto everyone which had shall be given. And from him that had not, even that which he had shall be taken away from him. Verse 27 and the last verse. But those my enemies, which will not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. He referred to those that would not allow him to reign over them as his enemies. And brethren, there are many things we can pick from this passage about the kingdom. 
The Most High is a God of everlasting kingdoms and dominion. And a few things we can take note of, and many things, but we're going to highlight just a few as the Lord gives us that opportunity this morning. And I pray that God will minister unto us in Jesus' name. The first thing I want us to take note of from this passage or from this parable is that God will always have his way. God will do what? He will always have his way. That passage that we read says, this nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. He went to receive and to return. So before he went, before he set out on that journey, it was obvious that he knew that he was going to receive a kingdom and that he would return. In this venture, brethren, there is no provision for failure. Having received the kingdom for himself, he came back. And the same thing for each and every one of us. God has created you for eternity. God has created you for heaven. His expectation of you is nothing short of a glorious welcome on the last day. Or when your time is over. And I pray for someone here, you will succeed in Jesus' name. I pray for someone who is hearing my voice this morning, you will succeed in Jesus' name. And so his instruction to you, even as he said unto those his citizens, is occupied till I come. No, take note that this passage does not say that he spoke unto his, I mean, uh, uh, he was not necessarily talking unto servants, but unto members of his kingdom. Members of his kingdom. He gave them a decision to make. When he came back, he wanted to know how much everyone had gained by trading. He did not come to ask if they had gained anything by trading. And that's very important. God did not come back and say, um, in your trading, did you gain anything? No. There is no provision for failure. And I pray for someone again, you will succeed in Jesus' name. When he called them, he said, the Bible says in verse uh, 15 of that passage, he commanded them to come. Those he gave the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. He said, come. How much did, he get, did you gain? He did not say, come. Did you make money? And that's very important. God will always have his way. There is no provision for failure. When the children of Israel were at the verge of the Red Sea, the Red Sea thought it could stop the plan and purpose of God that was being fulfilled in their, in their lives. The Red Sea was like saying, I am your last bus stop. But God had a better plan. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 21 to 22, the Bible says, Moses stretched out his hand over the seas. And God caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Verse 22, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a word unto them on their right and on their left. The Red Sea thought it could stop what God had started. But God had a better plan. God parted the Red Sea that his purpose might be fulfilled. Whatever God needs to do, that you may fulfill destiny. He will do in your life today in Jesus' name. The wall of Jericho thought it could prevent the inheritance of the promised land by the children of Israel. But brethren, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, 
The Bible says, when the people shouted, when the trumpet was blown, as they heard the sound of the trumpet, and they shouted with a great shout, the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city. Every man straight before him, and they took the city. And I speak to somebody's life here today, every wall of Jericho in your life will fall down today in the name of Jesus. Whatever wants to stop the plan and purpose of God in your life, that will fall today in Jesus' name. The first point we are, look, we are looking at is that God will always have his way. Nobody and no one can stop the plan and purpose of God, either for a nation, for a people, or for an individual. Goliath tried to stop the destiny of David and the, the restoration of the deliverance of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. He became a byword. He became a story. He became just a reference point in the history book for how the little boy overcame the big man. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, from verse 45 to 47, David said to the Philistine, You came to me with a sword, with a spear, with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom thou hast defied. Remember we are discussing this morning. Encounter with the most high God. Encounter with the most high God. David said in verse 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. I will smite thee. And take your head from thee. And give the carcass of the host of the Philistines. This day unto the fowls of the air. David said in essence that I will prove to you that the most high God, the living God, fights for his children and destroys their enemies. And the most high God is still, is still, is still alive. He's still fighting for his enemies. He's, I mean, for his children. He's still destroying the enemies of his children. But his children must take his stand. His children must stand and say, God I know will fight for me. Israel had been on the battlefield for days. But there was no one that was, uh, that was confident enough to stand before Goliath and say, my God will fight for me. And brethren, in the circumstances that we find ourselves in right now, God is looking for men. God is looking for women that will stand up and say, my God will fight for me. And I pray he will find you faithful in Jesus' name. The moment you can stand and say, my God will fight for me, he will arise and he will fight for you. That's why the Bible says, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. He depends on you. He depends on me. When he needs a man, will he find you faithful? David was prepared and ready to prove that God fights for his own. In that same 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 49 to verse 51, we saw how David took out that smooth stone. He slung the stone. And the stone went straight to the head of Goliath. And brethren, God was at work at that point in time. There was no way that stone could have missed. When you play your own part in this end time battle, God will ensure that your prayers do not miss, I mean, do not miss their target. And your prayers will not miss target in Jesus' name. Like a man of God said, he said some people's prayers go into voicemail. Your prayer will not go into voicemail. Your prayers will be answered directly and immediately in the name of Jesus. 
before Moses, I mean, before David stood before Goliath, before he overcame Goliath, a bear came to terminate his destiny. A lion came to terminate his destiny. The bear and the lion, brethren, they were not after the flock. They were after David. But David overcome, overcame them. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 to verse 37, David was talking to Saul. He said, I will go. I will overcome this man called Goliath. He said, I can tell you that in the wilderness, a lion came. A lion came against the flock. And I killed that lion. I went after him. I smote him. I delivered the lamb out of the lion. When he arose against me, I caught him by the beard. I smote him and I slew him. God empowered him to overcome the lion. Then a bear came and he did the same thing. I don't know I said I was speaking some time ago. And he said, the lion represents enemies that are above you. The lion represents those that are superiors. Maybe your boss in the office. Maybe those elderly people at home that think that, I mean, you, can, you will not survive in their lifetime. God is ready to deal with them because you will survive in Jesus' name. Those are the lions that you will take and you will tear into pieces today. And so shall it be in Jesus' name. He said the bear represents the friend that will come to you and hold on to you as a friend. But they are what? They are what the Bible calls wolves in sheep clothing. Those that you think are here to help you, but they are here to destroy you. But David destroyed the bear. You will destroy every bear in your life in Jesus' name. So the first point we made, brethren, is that God will always have his way. He had his way at the Red Sea. He had his way at the wall of Jericho. He had his way against Goliath. He had his way with David against the lions and the bear. The second point we are going to make, I mean, highlighted from that passage in Luke chapter 19, is to hate God is to deny his lordship. To hate God is to deny his reign or his lordship. In verse 14 of Luke chapter 19, the Bible says, His citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man reign over us. The moment you decide that you will not have God reign over you, you are declaring that you hate him. You may not have tried it as much. Oh, you think he's too big for you to say, I hate God. But the moment you have made up your mind, that you will not let God reign in your life. The moment you have made up your mind that Jesus will not be Lord over your life, you have declared that word that you hate him. That you hate him. See, in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse 15 to 17, that I'm going to read just verse 15. John 14, 15 to 17. In verse 15 he said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, do what? Keep my command. That in essence means, if you, don't, if, you, if you don't love me, do what? Don't keep my commandments. And saying if you don't hate or, uh, love me is putting it mildly. In other words, he's saying, if you hate me, don't keep my commandments. If I were to ask you this morning, do you love God or do you hate him? You will all declare that I love God. But so long as you continue not to keep his commandments, so long as you continue to choose that you will reign over your own life and not allow God to reign over your life. So long as you continue to choose that Jesus cannot and shall not reign in your life. 
You hate Jesus and you hate God. But it's not too late. It's not too late. God will touch that spot in your heart today in Jesus' name. In John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verses uh, 34 and 35. John 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus Christ said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And in verse 35, it says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another, one to another, brethren, if you have no love, you are not born again. If you have no love, you are not a Christian. If you have no love, you are not on a journey to eternity. This is a time, brethren, that we are seeing Bible being fulfilled. This is no time for self-deceit. This is the time to ask yourself, where do I stand? And where am I going? Our God is a God that does not toy with the disobedient. He does not toy with disobedience. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 22 to 23. 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 23. We see Samuel saying unto Saul. He said, has God a, as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? What does God desire? What does God require? It's that you and I obey his voice. He said, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. He said, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Brethren, Saul was rejected from being king. For you and I, if we continue to disobey, there's rejection down the road. That will not be my portion. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. I said, that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. The end result of hating God, of choosing that you will do your own thing rather than what the Lord has asked you to do, even as shown in the passage we read in Luke chapter 19, verse 27, is death. Is death. In verse 27, that noble man said, he said, those my enemies, which would, would not that I should reign over them, bring them and slay them before me. Brethren, the Lord is clear. He makes the rain to fall on the righteous and on the unrighteous. But he is saying here that if you will not allow me to reign over you, he is referring to you as his enemy. I pray that when it matters most, God will not count you among his enemies in Jesus' name. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is what? Is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But do you know, brethren, that God does not delight in the death of a sinner? He does not. He does not. In Ezekiel chapter 18, Ezekiel chapter 18, verses uh, 30 to 32, we see God making it very clear that he wants his children to cast away their transgressions and come to him. In verse 32, he said, verse 32, Ezekiel 18, verse 32, he said, For I have no pleasure in the death of him that died. He's not talking about physical death here. He's talking about spiritual death. He's talking about those that have made a, a, a decision that they are, they, are, they, are, they, are, 
they are going for damnation in hell. He said, I have no pleasure in the death of him that died, said the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. There is life. There is life. If we will repent and come to the living God, if we will take a cue from all that is happening around us, in Ezekiel 3, verse 11, Ezekiel 3, verse 11, we see the same thing. It says, say unto them, as I live, said the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? So we we'll go to the third point. The third point that we can bring out from this passage is the expansion of the kingdom is God's delight. The expansion of the kingdom is what? It's God's delight. That is what God loves. Remember, we started by saying, He's a God of eternal kingdoms and dominion. Kingdom and dominion. In Luke chapter 19, from verse 12, where we read, the Bible says, He went to receive a kingdom. He went to receive a kingdom. He wants you to justify the faith He has in you. You have an opportunity to prove yourself. But he's willing, he's prepared, he's ready to help you. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, we know that passage very well. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus spoke unto the disciples and said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the earth. The expansion of the kingdom, brethren, is the delight of God. He has made all provision. That is why Jesus came. That is why Jesus has got all power. That is why the Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. He's got the power for you and I. In Mark chapter 16, from verse 15 to verse 20, we see Jesus saying unto the disciples, Go ye into all the world. It's an instruction for you and I. Go into the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to all. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. The Bible is clear. Just like that nobleman said, Bring my enemies that have decided that I will not reign over them. The Bible is saying here, those that do not believe shall be what? Damned. But for those that believe, he said, these signs shall follow them. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Brethren, that includes authority over brother and sister Corona. We have authority over them. Say, so then, after the Lord has spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and he sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord walking with them, confirming the world with signs following. When you obey the word of the Lord to go forth, his signs will follow. His signs will, in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, 
Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He answered and spoke unto them, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. You can put your name there. This is the word of the Lord unto Fulani Akinshola. He said, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What the Lord has called you to do, He has not called you to do by your might, but by His spirit. By His spirit. Very important. By His spirit. And then he gave a challenge. He said, Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings crying, Grace, grace unto it. So what can you do today to enlarge the frontiers of the kingdom of God? While you are currently either observing social distancing, quarantine, or self-isolation at home, what can you do to enlarge the, the frontiers of the kingdom? Number one. You must read and study your Bible like never before. Brethren, this is not the time for unending Netflix. This is not the time for unending videos and films. This is a time to move closer to God. Read your Bible. Study your Bible like never before. You are preparing for your assignment in the kingdom. And brethren, let me tell you one thing. When this is over, there will be a realignment in the kingdom. And I pray that you will not be aligned away. I pray that in the realignment that is taking place, that God will lift you up and find you useful in the name of Jesus. And this is very important. You must be prepared. Read and study your Bible like never before. That's number one. Number two, pray like never before. Pray like never before. No distractions. Nobody's running after you. The extra time that you have, use it to pray. Use it to seek the face of God. The Bible says the eyes of God are going to and fro. He is looking for one person, just one person, whose heart is faithful unto him. Our God deals with us on a one-on-one -on -one basis, and I pray he will find you faithful in Jesus' name. Number three, if and when you go on social media, use that opportunity to spread the gospel. Don't spread rumors. Don't spread falsehood. Don't spread fantasies that will not, that, that will not, uh, that will not lift high the name of the living God. Whatever will not edify on Facebook, on YouTube, or WhatsApp, don't spread it. All those trash that somebody will send to you and say, if you don't send it to, to 10 people, uh, rain will not fall tomorrow. Rubbish. Delete it. Work on those things that will glorify the name of the Lord on social media. Use the opportunity to spread the gospel. Number four, give someone a word of encouragement from the living God. A word of encouragement from the living God. Every day on your, on your, is it your, your page, they call it, put a word there that will minister life to somebody. Number five, I believe. Remember brethren and neighbors who are finding it difficult to make ends meet and do something for them. And this is very important. We have brethren that, I mean, 
So we are so engrossed in our situation, all you have to do is sit down at home. But there's food, there's water, there's everything. There are brethren, there are neighbors who are finding it difficult to make ends meet. Because life for them is day to day. Remember them and reach out to them. Do something about them. Do something for them. There is a God that rewards those that cater, that think about the poor. Number six, call the elderly in isolation and encourage them. Call the elderly in isolation and do what? Encourage them. People are living in fear. Give them a word of encouragement. And I'm giving a challenge to members of Christ Chapel this morning. This week, make sure you call Sister Mary and offer to read to her a chapter in the Bible. This week, Call Sister Mary and offer to read to her a chapter in the Bible or the days open heaven. It is part of our responsibility. It's part of our calling this season. The Lord will not find us wanting in Jesus' name. One more thing I believe I can talk about before I round up. I've mentioned three things. Number four that we can take out from the passage that we read, is that God is a giver. God is what? He's a giver. He's a giver. You cannot outgive God giving. That's what the man of God said. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is a giver. He gave first, and his giving was an expression of love. If God be for you, the Bible says he will freely give you all things. Having given you Jesus Christ, he's available, he's willing to do what? Freely give you all things. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, the Bible says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also give us all things? Give us what? All things. Not some things. All things. Our God is a giver. He gave his best. He gave his only begotten son. There is nothing else God can give you that can compare to that. And the Bible makes us to understand, how will he not freely give us all things? He made provision for your eternity and mine. He gives the Holy Spirit to enable and empower us. Remember, Zechariah said, it's not by power, it's not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Verses 11 to 13, but I'm going to read verse 13. Luke 11, 11 to 13. I'm going to read verse 13. He says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? The Holy Spirit is available for you today. All you need to do is ask. The Holy Spirit is available to empower you. The Holy Spirit is available to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is available to give you revelations, to give you direction. The Bible says you will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. That is the voice of the Spirit. 
It must be available to you and in you to give you that direction for you to receive it. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 to 8, we see Jesus giving instruction to his disciples when he sent them out to preach. He said, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And brethren, that message has not changed. The kingdom of God is at hand. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely do what? Freely give. Our God is a giver. He has given to you freely. And he said unto you, freely do what? Give. He has empowered you freely. The Holy Spirit is available unto you. But not just for you to begin to act out me, myself, and I. The Holy Spirit is available unto you that you might move forward and, and, and obey the voice of the Lord and make God proud of you. Make him proud of you. Our God is a giver. And he loves a cheerful giver. He does what? He loves a cheerful giver. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 10, he said, but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always have an all sufficiency in all things. Isn't that wonderful? Sufficiency in what? In all things. May abound to every good work. As it is written, he had dispensed abroad, he had given to the poor. Remember we said it in the course of this message. Remember those that are needy, give to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Finally, we know Luke chapter 6 verse 38. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you met with her, it shall be measured unto you. God is a giver. And he expects every one of his children to be what? Givers. He has given you the best. And whatever you don't have is because you have not asked. God is not stingy. Yeah.